Hi, I'm Sarah, host of the Live Boldly podcast. As a mother and certified coach in transitional changes, I will share the traumas, healing, and growth in my life and help you with embracing these steps for yours. Join me to hear about life's highs and lows, mental health and wellness, and how-tos for living your boldest life. Listen to Live Boldly wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Riddle. I'm here with Laura Heck. We have a doozy of an episode for you this week, but first I want to talk about March Madness. There are only two possible outcomes in the Marriage Therapy Radio Bracket Challenge. Um, Christopher Carnes has had a great run. He's currently in the lead and looks like he has a pretty good chance of winning. So if you're listening, make sure I have your email address just in case I have to send you some crumble cookies. However, if Connecticut wins the tournament, my wife will leapfrog you. She filled out her bracket uh, totally just like, I like teams from New Jersey and this sounds cute. And isn't that the one with the fun mascot? And she, but she's from Connecticut. She picked Connecticut to win the whole tournament. And if they do, she will win the Marriage Therapy Radio Bracket Challenge. So I'm rooting for Connecticut. I'm rooting for my wife. Also, it has to be said, I filled out a bracket myself, which didn't do that great. But I somehow managed to still finish behind the random bracket that I created for Laura. Um, so Laura, although she refused to fill out a bracket of her own, is going to beat me again, but I'm not going to tell her. She has to listen to the podcast or one of you has to tell her probably Becky. Otherwise, let's get to it. This week, we go a little bit behind the curtain. I had a couple of experiences over the last few weeks that have made me sort of think about what counseling is actually like for me, both as a client and as a therapist. And um, we explore a little bit of that. And hopefully it will shed some insight onto why we do what we do, what we're supposed to do about feelings that we have, how we use them in our relationships or jobs. And I learned a lot. It was really helpful for me to bounce this around with Laura. And uh, as always, this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. What were you singing? Everybody, everybody wants to love. Everybody, everybody. Why were you singing wants that? to be loved. Because I always listen to music. You've been in my home. Like yeah, the moment I wake up, I have a morning ritual. Yeah. And I think my son was singing it too. But yeah. yeah, the morning ritual is I light candles around the house. I turn on my easy pop, I believe, is the station I listen to. So Everybody does want to be loved. Man, I'm really figuring that out. I really am. There was a statistic that kind of landed for me recently where it basically was like, if you have one person in this world who can hold space for you and can give you unconditional love and you know, you can rely on them. One person doesn't Mm. have to be, you know, um, a whole gaggle of friends and acquaintances and you don't have to have this like super rich social life where you're going out all the time, getting invited places on the board of all these things. You don't need that. But if you have one person that Mm. you can reach out to, that's all you need. I was like, Oh man, Mm. we are such pack animals. It's incredible. Yeah. So um, that's Ingrid Michaelson. Um, I've been thinking about a song lately. The song? Yes. That's who sings that song. Um, we should have her on the podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Every time I say somebody's name, like, we should have them on the podcast. We do have like a cool, some few, a cool. Yeah. I'm going to try and say, I'm going to try and say some words. Yeah. I'm trying to say some words. Um, we have some cool interviews coming up. We do. I, we, won't, we won't talk about exactly who they are just yet because they're not confirmed, but they're pretty exciting. I, I want to um, talk about mine. You can talk about yours. I'm um, so pumped for my interview Yeah, because it came from my brain of like, I want did. to talk to this person. And your own initiative and your own like, uh-huh. activity. I did it yeah. all on my own. I'm so yeah, proud. You Although you did send me the contact information for the publisher. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Can, can I tell them? 
Can I tell him? Can I tell him? Yes. Okay. So the, the interview that I'm really pumped about, and it's funny cause you've gotten really excited about, uh, like comedians or yeah. like, I don't know, different people. I, I like believe that people who aren't marriage, they're like marriage experts can yeah. still teach us something about marriage. That's what I get excited about. Okay. All yeah. right. Fair enough. I think the reason why I wanted to have this gal on, so I've been following her. It's not, it's not like, you know, she came out with a book and then her publishers are reaching out to all these media engines and just like, Hey, we would love for you to help push and have this person on. That wasn't the case. I'm really excited because I reached out to Steph. Um, I'm I'm on a first name basis with her because mostly because I'm unclear on how to say her last name. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's Katoodle or Katadol. I don't don't know. Yeah. Um, so she's coming out with a book and has been sort of like long anticipated because she is the wife of a very famous endurance athlete that I have kind of like followed, uh, mm-hmm. especially through COVID. So what happened was he was at the top of his game, this endurance athlete. And I, she kind of mentions it is that he's he's an, an amazing athlete, but people latch on to him for all basically all the reasons other than what his numbers are, which is what a lot of athletes end up is like charisma. He is, he is a look, right? Like he's tall, he's six foot one, he's broad. He has these like amazing abs and legs and tan. He has this like big bushy beard that people are able to like spot him. He's covered in tattoos and he's freaking brilliant. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he was, he signed a contract with iFit. So if you are an iFit person, it's, it's sort of like the, the accompaniment to, Peloton. So I know that you get to know your instructors really well through Peloton. You feel like they're your friend. Mm -hmm. He's so smart. And I'm actually really curious if he has a um, photographic memory, because the way that he talks about things makes you think that he read it on the airplane on his way to Japan. And now he's like running through Japan. He's like saying Mm -hmm. words Mm -hmm. in Japanese. And anyway, Mm -hmm. so this is the wife who wrote a book about him because he ended up going into basically like 80 days of a coma. And during that coma, I don't think anybody expected him to survive. So he goes from the top of his game to losing a ton of weight. I'm going to guess he was probably under 100 pounds when he was in his coma and he was Mm -hmm. like fighting for his life with cancer. So we're following this and she's the one who is the bridge between him and the outside world. And she's writing through social media, these most amazing posts. It's like poetry. Mm -hmm. And your heart breaks because you just are like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be the wife of someone of your partner that's going through this. So, Mm. you know how like caring bridge, it allows you to kind of stay connected with people and give them updates. So she's kind of having to give updates to the world for people who are tracking her husband's progress. And all of a sudden you're kind of wrapped up in this storyline and she's just like so poetic in her writing. So she wrote a book, which is amazing because it's kind of like, you're just hungry to hear more about mm-hmm. her story. So she has this amazing memoir to share about her journey as a wife, but also her journey as a woman mm. and like her father also dying of the same cancer. So oh, wow. kind of incredible. Yeah. I just yeah. cannot wait to interview her. That's cool. Yeah. And it yeah. goes back to what you said at the top about how everybody kind of needs just the one person. And it sounds like she's maybe reflecting on that that reality of what it means to be somebody's one person there for a minute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to make it outside today or tomorrow because I will be wrapped up on my couch <laughs> right with a book and smidge, which yeah, my neighbor cool. called it smudge. Yeah. And you're like, sorry, it's pinch. <laughs> it's, not, it's neither of those. Um, I, uh, yeah, that's going to be cool. We have a couple others and, um, 
Yeah. My head's all over the place today. When you said Peloton, I have a whole Peloton tangent that I'm willing to go on because <laughs> it's actually attached to just like what I'm thinking about in general. But, um, I had a couple of like, I have questions that I just wanted me to ask you period. Like actually just ask you, ask you, okay. Do you ever get mad at clients? Like, do you ever get angry with your clients? Like my name's Laura and I am now angry. Yeah, I do. And this was actually, this was the reason why I decided to work with not only adults, but adults in relationships and Uh and not work with teenagers, not work with children, because I found that I was getting angry, not at children, but at the situation and not really having, I couldn't, I couldn't hold the child responsible, but I find myself getting angry and having that anger be okay. Like to feel that anger. And usually the anger is coming from a place for me of, I feel like I don't have any control in the situation as a therapist. I want for you. And yet you don't want enough for yourself. And Mm. so now I'm getting angry. Does that happen to you with couples or just like now it doesn't happen to you because you're not working with teenagers? Oh no, it definitely were. It absolutely happens with couples all the time, but I feel like my anger is, is directed in the right place. Like it was hard to be angry. It's like righteous anger. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I do get angry. Um, but I, I oftentimes will talk about it. Like I'm feeling in the, in the, in the the session, Okay, Mm -hmm. I'll call it out because usually if I'm feeling angry or if I'm feeling some kind of emotion, it's usually what somebody else in the room is feeling. Like I'm picking up on it. I'm attuned to them and I'm, I'm feeling something and I'll check in with them and I'll just be like, man, my chest is like really tight right now. And I can Mm. feel my face getting hot and I can, I almost feel like maybe this is anger. Is anybody else right now in the room feeling anger? And (laughs) do you do that in your regular life? Like if you're at home with, with Ryan or Holden and you get angry, do you pause long enough to go, Hmm, I'm checking in with myself and I'm getting really angry. And is anybody else feeling angry? No. Or do you, okay. What do you, what do you do then? Or do you get angry at home? Not often. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. I'm, I tend to not be a very angry person. If I get, um, the only time that I have ever felt like real anger, I would say as like a mom is if I was trying to sleep that like, if mm. I can't get rest and I keep getting interrupted or, um, like I remember putting Holden down and he just wouldn't take a nap. And I was so exhausted. Like there were moments in like the first two years of his life where I was really like rageful because mm. I could not get what I needed to feel normal again. And all I needed was for him to take a nap. And that's when I felt angry. And mm. I think rageful, like I think moms are scared to say that they felt rageful in moments mm. with their children, but I felt it. 100%. You saw red. Yeah. Code (laughs) red. Give that woman a nap. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you asking? This is interesting. Well, but, but when you get angry, perhaps in session, it's because you can identify a feeling that you have, which is I'm not in control of this situation. Right. And that stirs something up in you that, that you then label anger. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that's about? Um, not being able to control something. Yeah. Like, or why that makes you angry. Well, I mean, doesn't that make sense though? That like, I feel sort of, sort of, this is what I'm happy to tell you, like kind of what thread I'm pulling on right now. Yeah. Hey friends, I just wanted to remind you about our upcoming uh, seven principles workshops. We have two options. You can uh, do it on a weekend. We have one coming up in the spring, a couple more coming up between now and the end of the year. Um, or Laura has her weekly uh, workshop series that's going to go on. I think they're on Wednesday nights. 
We got some really great feedback from the folks that uh, hung out with us last month. And I'll just let you hear from them directly because while it was cool for me to hear from them about their experience, I think you would enjoy it too. Hi, how's it going? This is Mike. Jessica Marshall. And we attended Zach and Laura's marriage therapy weekend. And uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. Jessica and I had a great time, felt like we reconnected. We've been together for almost 10 years and I feel like this has kind of brought us back to a honeymoon stage a little bit. Jess, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, and I think since the workshop and even before that, like we've been listening to the podcast and since the workshop, we've even just been sharing with our friends and family, you know, different things that we learned from the workshop and some of the things that stood out to us. Some of the things that Zach, Zach said over the weekend about repair is more important than the resolve and making sure that when you're in a fight that your marriage and your happiness stays at the forefront. I think our favorite part is, uh, I think after that first three hour session, Jessica and I actually sat together and we ugly cried with each other. And I think a lot was forgiven from our past and marriage. And I'm just really happy that we can, uh, we had this weekend together where we could share things with each other, find out things about each other we didn't know. And uh, Zach and Laura facilitated a great program. It was fun doing things with the other couples and actually uh, doing workshop type things. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. And we, to be honest with you, we talked about doing the same uh, workshop over again, just to kind of get closer with each other. So we appreciate it. Thanks, Zach and Laura. Thank you, Zach and Laura. Thank you so much. So again, it doesn't matter if you've been married for 30 years or engaged, the principles that you learn in the workshop will strengthen every relationship. Sign up for an upcoming workshop at marriagetherapyradio.com. Again, you can do a weekend intensive with Laura and I, or you can join Laura's weekly group that starts in April, and then that will run throughout the rest of the, the year as well. Okay, back to our very cool conversation. I I got really angry with clients last Friday. Like <laughs> I got I got mad. Um, Did you tell them? Uh, no, I kicked him out of my office. Basically, yes, I, juicy. I just was like, um, and I. But for me, I'm not mad because I don't uh, because I, because I don't have control of the situation. I had complete control of the situation. I was mad because I was dealing with people who were saying they wanted to do the work, but weren't weren't doing the work. Right. So it was like I was being proactively gaslit, and so was she, by the way, in the session about, you know, what was happening in the room. And I was just, I started to feel like, wait a second, what, what is happening right now? Like, are you serious? Is this like really going on? And then I started to like, and it was him, I got mad at him. Um, and it was a heterosexual couple, obviously. And I just, I realized that I went to a place that wasn't like, I wouldn't say it wasn't safe, but it wasn't, wasn't good for the room and it wasn't going to like do anything. Yeah. But I, but I was really troubled. I was troubled by sometimes they call it like losing your seat. Like mm. um, this is a phrase that I've learned lately. Like if you're a therapist and like, when do you lose your seat? Meaning okay. I'm, I'm comfortable in my seat in my therapist chair. I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I know exactly. And then all of a sudden, like I've lost my seat. I don't know. I'm off balance or I'm, I'm disconnected. And so different therapists lose their seat for different reasons. Right. Um, one of the fancy labels that you might give that is counter transference. So mm -hmm. transference is when the client says, Oh, I'm treating you like my dad. You look like my dad. So I'm going to talk to you like you're my dad right. or you remind me of my high school girlfriend. So I'm going to, I'm going to like act out my high school girlfriend, you know, tendencies with you, or I'm going to treat you poorly. Cause I try whatever, whatever right. counter transference is the opposite. It's right. the reverse. 
And so when I'm sitting there and I'm going, holy cow, there's an emotion or there's a thing that I am no longer now in charge of, I've lost right. my seat. Right. And for me, that comes up, I think when I'm being, I, I don't like the word gaslit, I think it's overused and I think it's mm -hmm, actually I incorrect agree. in most cases, but yep. when I'm being invited to, or when, try, when someone's trying to convince me that one thing is true, when it's very clear that another thing is true. Okay. And so he was sitting there trying to say, I mean, he was, I think he was even saying, I want this relationship to work. And I was like, there is no data. You were calling bullshit. It's like, there's no evidence at all that you right. want this relationship to work mm -hmm. and that you, and so then I said, well, why don't we try this? And, oh man, Laura, I just, I, I got off, I got out of the session and I, I called my kind of my two support people. And I was just like, I don't know what to do right now. Cause I've got two more sessions left this afternoon and I am so hot. I'm so hot, <laughs> um, but it ruined my day, but it made me think a lot just about like, why, where does this stuff come from for people? Yeah. And I'm happy to now go on my Peloton. Um, no, tangent I, because I want to actually no, dig into this just a but, little bit more. Okay. Um, okay. 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 Totally. Because this came up and I don't know how much I can share probably a bit. Um, so I have group supervision. I have lots of supervisors in my life. Um, I have an individual supervisor that I meet on just to talk about my cases. I have group supervision where uh, therapists get together and they say, Hey, kind of like what we're doing right now is sort of like supervision. I yeah. got hot in a session. This yeah. is what your consultation, right? So one of the gals in the group basically said, I don't think I like this guy in, and it's tough, right? As therapists, the client, to not I don't think I like, like a client. client, right. To not like yeah. a client, there's something going on. So we start to dig into like counter-transference. What is it that this person represents in your life that maybe you're, you're putting them into a box and, and you already are coming to session kind of with like a, a template of who this person represents. It's tough to see them for who they are because you have already, you, you're counter-transferring. So it was lovely. And another therapist basically said, okay, so you're angry at this person. You think he's a dick. It's kind of the word right, mm -hmm. that she used. Mm -hmm. You think he's a dick. And um, she said, you know what? I like to remind myself, she has such a calming way of saying it. Is she's like, everyone, everyone is in pain mm -hmm. in your office. Mm -hmm. And if you can begin to understand like what that person. I thought you were going to say everyone is. is a dick. Everyone Every, is a dick. Everyone's a dick. Which is kind of true. You just have to prime the right button to push or whatever, but go ahead. Well, yeah. But also it's true that everyone is in pain. There is a real reason, right? Like it's, it's easier to do, I think with toddlers, when you see a kid and they're throwing a freaking tantrum and you're thinking this kid is a dick, which is the worst thing to think. Right. About I mean, a kid. Sort of. I think kids are. But yeah, your, <laughs> your kids are in a tantrum and they're screaming, they're kicking and they're, you know, they will not calm down and they're just throwing a tantrum. If you can pause for a second and think to yourself, this kid is not doing this to ruin my day. They're not doing this to get something from me. Whatever it is, is this child is in pain in some way. Mm -hmm. They're tired. They're hungry. They're hurt people. Later. Hurt people. So the way that she said it, though, was. How can you move from a space of looking at this person across from you and thinking this person's a dick? I don't like them. I'm angry at them. I'm mad and move into a place of space of empathy, developing empathy by saying, clearly this person is in pain. How can I understand what the pain is for that person? So we talked about resistances the last yeah. time I think yeah. we were together, Yeah. which is, okay, this person is saying, I want this relationship to be better. 
and you're, you're calling bullshit. You're like, nope, there's zero evidence that shows me that you want this relationship to be better, Mm -hmm. that you're interested in this relationship getting better in any sort of way. What is his pain? How can you develop empathy for him? I did not care. You didn't care, but can you now? No. Stepped away from this. No, I'm still actually, as I'm talking about it right now, I'm, I'm getting hot again. Like I'm just going, I'm going back into that room and I'm just like, I can't, I don't, because I, sometimes I'm like, okay, fine. You're in pain. Well, I don't know. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, um, I'm not trying to be provocative or insensitive. I'm just saying this is the issue. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have access to empathy right? because I was so angry. Right. Um, and it made me go, why was I so angry? Because I don't think I can do empathy until I get underneath that. Okay. Um, so I'm happy to, I'm happy to, and maybe I can in another time reflect on sort of this, this situation, but it was, it just was so like, I don't know, it was so unnerving. And, um, do you but I don't think, think they'll you're ever wrong. come back? No, I told him not to. I actually told him to get, go ahead and get divorced. Oh my gosh. I wish yeah. I was there. <laughs> Zach was, Riddle, <laughs> therapist of the year, right? I was here. like, this is a complete waste of time. All of this is a complete waste of time. There's like, there's no, um, and he left, he left early. He left before she did. And I spent another 20 minutes with her kind of calming us both down. But I was like, no, I think you gotta go ahead and call an attorney and get it, you know, but, but for me, like I, I realized that it, that it pushes a button in me in the same way that for you, you label, I feel like I don't have control. I label, I feel like I'm being, uh, like gaslit intentionally like misled or intentionally railroaded. Yeah. And, um, I just don't have any tolerance for that. As as you were talking about this toddler thing, I was, I was thinking about, you you know, by the way, your, your teenagers can act like this too. And I, a similar situation, I got into like a situation with one of my kids last night where I was like, you're not, this is not real. Mm -hmm. What you're talking, the thing you're describing that is painful for you is not happening. And yet, you know, 16 year olds have a lot better capacity to dig in on their, (laughs) <laughs> on their point of view they than toddlers down. do perhaps. Yeah. They double down. So I ended up having to walk away. I ended up having to walk away. Just go, I can't, I honestly, I, I, I will lose my seat if I walk away. And so I'm going to, if I don't walk away. So I just kind of. Hold on, hold on. You're telling me that Zach Brittle, the therapist says to his child, the thing that you are experiencing right now is not real. Yeah. Yeah. It was factually impossible for her to double down on what she was describing. And I was like, I, we cannot have this conversation about what you're really feeling if you're basing it in this thing that did not happen. It did not happen. And no, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like her perception of what happened. Okay. She was literally describing a situation that happened a half an hour earlier in our house mm-hmm. that did not happen. And I was okay. like, it's, I was like, it's made up. It's made up. And so we cannot do the part where I actually care about the thing you're describing until you at least can see that that's, that it's made you know, up. like that just ha- that can't, it's not, it's not, it doesn't happen. So I no. But so, but yeah, that no, I do not have bargain, the skills. You can't negotiate can't, or bargain can't negotiate with, terrorists. with terrorists. Yeah. 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 And so you were just getting looped into it. Totally. And I think, I think teenagers, I think people, uh, I, I love Mary and I'm, I, we're, we're fine. And she's, she understands that sometimes this is a dance that we have. Um, but I think that they're really good at, you know, the really, really savvy at protecting themselves from think, from pain, uh, maybe more than I was or am. And so I don't, I don't sort of blame her or blame the situation as much as to go, this is just the reality of it, but I'm having to learn how to go. 
if I stay in this, if I stay in this, sure, I'm going to become or do or say something that I don't want to become or do or say. And I, yeah. and I think, I think what I'm learning about as a therapist right now is the Gottman method, for example, would go, oh, you need to take a break. I was just thinking that. Yeah, that's the right idea. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's another piece, which is what the heck is going on underneath the thing? Like, what are you supposed to learn? What are you supposed to dive into? What are you supposed to experience? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this work a lot more with couples where I'm saying, where is it coming from? Okay. What is it about? What is right. that about? When right. you say, I get mad when I don't have control of the situation, what is that from? Right. Because that that's where the gold is. And now can I tell you my Peloton story real quick? Well, except for what I want to say is that anger is one of those really cool emotions that people have been sort of taught out of. Mm -hmm. Like as a society, we have said it's not okay for you to get angry. It's not okay for children to express anger. It's not okay for like if you express anger, you need to go do it by yourself in your room where no one else can see you or hold you or whatever. Right. Like we just don't do anger very well as a society. Yeah. However, what you're saying, which is I'm really really important, you're really good at (laughs) anger. We've definitely had moments of anger at each other. (laughs) If you want to hear that episode, I forget which one it is, but we've, we've been, we've processed being mad at each other. Uh, but it, you're saying pay attention to it and get curious about it. And I think that is what's most important. Like if we came to our partner after we have been angry and we have taken time apart, we've calmed down. Now we can actually have a logical conversation with the prefrontal cortex. And if you were to come to your partner and say, Hey, that was really interesting. Like I got really angry mm-hmm. and I could tell you got really angry. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about what that was all about? Like, yeah, and I think interesting. You do that. yeah, it is interesting, especially if you can do it as friends and as yeah. like co co-discoverers of a thing. Yeah. Like here's a good example. I was talking to a couple yesterday and they were, we were processing an argument that they had had a few nights before. And that what had happened, the kind of the crux of it was she walked in the door and said, would you do this thing for me? And his answer was, I'll think about it. Okay. And she got upset about that. And, mm-hmm. th- and then they spun out. And I said, why did you say that? And he goes, well, because the thing, it wasn't the right time. And, I, and that, the last time I did this thing, it didn't work. I go, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Why did you say, I'll think about it? And he was like, what do you mean? I go, well, some husbands would say, yep, absolutely. I'll do that thing. Some husbands, when, when she walks in the door and says, would you do the thing? He goes, totally, babe. I got you. Yeah. Some husbands will say, no, I'm not doing that thing. So some husbands would say, uh, when do you want me to do the thing by some husbands will say whatever the people will say different things because they're, they, they, they do. They just say, why did you say, I will think about it. And he had to, and we, we stayed with it. Like we dug, 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 dug yeah. because he was the youngest of six. And when he w- was growing up, his whole family would say, do this thing. And he would just have to do it. Right. And so he, he has learned agency. that he now he protects himself by saying, I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. Now it just so happens control. that when you say, I think about it to her, right. She gets upset. Why do you get upset? Well, because I never got what I wanted when I did it and like, okay, now we have this really messed up dance mm-hmm. that only gets created by the two of you. And if you have empathy for that dance, she will now learn how to say, Hey babe, I, I love you. And, mm-hmm. um, I can, can you tell me there's this thing I need you to do? And could you pull it off between now and Tuesday afternoon? Because, to, and, and he gets to belay that I'll think about it piece because right. he knows that if he says that to her, she's going to spin out. So I think digging, digging, digging 
to get underneath that stuff. But yeah. some clients aren't good at that because they've never learned how. And right. now can I tell my Peloton story? <laughs> and now I want to. But this is what I mean. People go, I don't okay. know. I don't know. And I go, okay, well, then uh, same couple had Peloton. They, uh, they own a Peloton. So when I find out people own a Peloton, I always ask them the exact same question. Who's Who do you ride with? instructor? <laughs> Who do you ride with? Yeah. And they'll tell me, they'll go, oh, ride with Dennis. And I go, okay, cool. What do you, what, tell me about Dennis. They'll tell me. She'll say, oh, I ride with Christine. Da, da, da. Now, with all respect to Dennis and Christine, who are very good at their jobs, I don't enjoy riding with either one of them. Okay. Zach doesn't. And now we have a three-way conversation about it because I can say the reason I don't like riding with Dennis is because I don't take instruction from men. Zach okay. doesn't, I'm not very good at taking instruction from men. So I don't ride with any of the men. Um, the reason I don't ride with Christine is because I have this other thing. Da, 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 da. And then they were able to go, well, I like Dennis because he does. And then she go, oh, I like Christine because it's, and, and now they, without even knowing it, they began to understand that there was something underneath why they right. do what they do. Right. And I think unless we're paying attention to why we do what we do, mm -hmm. then we're just doing the thing. And then it sneaks up on us and all of a sudden we're mad and we're taking it out on people that are in our office or in our house or that we're married to that we love. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think like the real work is kind of figuring out like what's going on underneath the surface, because mm -hmm. that, that I think it's, it's always there. It's always there. It's always there, mm -hmm. whether it's Peloton or anger or, you know, whatever. And so I'm just it's super like keen the, on. Yeah. On okay. Now I understand why now. I, I thought you were going to derail us completely um, to talk about Peloton, but now no. I understand why. And yeah. we do this actually as therapists quite often where we will take kind of a benign subject matter that has nothing to do with them as mm -hmm. a couple, yeah. as a, an object lesson, if you yeah. will, and we to sneak prove up a on point. Them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's interesting as you're talking about this, like what's underneath. So Zach Brittle knows, he goes, I, I don't take, I don't take, uh, instruction from men. Why? Well, and, Why? and, and, and honestly, Why? and I'll say this too, be, be, because I have a problematic relationship with my dad and it right. includes, it includes him trying to make me live in a reality that I didn't, that wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have enough awareness to know that like when, when he, when he, he gets evoked, mm -hmm. whether because he's a male who is giving me direction or because of this thing that we were labeling like railroading or gaslighting, sure. then yeah, I, I, if I'm not paying attention or if I'm not taking care of myself, I will, I'll spin out, I'll lose my seat. Sure. So yeah, I, what's been interesting about what you just said too, is I've had two new clients come into my office this week and uh, two therapists. So I've had, th I've had couples therapists come yeah. into my office for couples therapy. Yeah. And it's been really, really fun with their consent including the partner, the non-therapist partner's consent to tell them why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because uh -huh. she's like, oh, I ask that question all the time. I go, well, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to trick you. Right. I'm asking you this question and you think the answer is the mm -hmm. information that you're giving me. Yeah. But, the, but what I'm really looking for is this other thing over here. Right. And it's been really cool to describe that out loud for people. But I think that's a little bit of what we're doing today is sort of go behind the curtain a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um but yeah, I, I didn't, I, I, I had a pretty, pretty cool week <laughs> until Friday and it knocked me off balance for the weekend, man. I was yeah. just out of whack for like a couple of days. So um, I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I got off balance a year ago. I was seeing a couple in particular and I was having a lot of feelings. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think I was super curious about where they were coming from. I, and as I said, it so actually, 
I'm going to, I'm going to just like back up a little bit because what I wanted to come back to is this idea of you asked me, why do you get angry? And I pinpointed, I get angry when I feel out of control, when I don't have control over a situation. Why do you get angry? I get angry when, and you might have like two or three things in your environment. Like when people are trying to- When I'm looking at the sun and they tell me it's the moon. Sure. Right. Like the the reality, you're trying to make me live in a reality that is not my own. You're Mm -hmm. telling me that this is the reality that I have to live in. So when you can, as an individual, boil down what your two or three sort of what we call in Gottman Method enduring vulnerabilities are. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking about Stan Tatkin's book is he, his idea is not only do you need to get really, really clear on what your two or three are for you of Laura Heck has an issue with control. Mm-hmm. Zach Brittle has an issue with, uh, let's just say gaslighting, whatever mm-hmm. that might look like. You let's have to say get, railroading because- Again, I don't want to perpetuate the gaslighting myth because I think we could do a whole episode on how that's been co-opted. But yeah, Yeah. I don't like being railroaded. Okay. Yeah. Is that you have to get really, really clear on your partners. Totally. So now now that you know, when I start to feel like control is a big issue for me and I don't feel like I have any sense of control in the situation and that we're just kind of like tumbling forward and I can't, you know, like I I can't stand on my own two feet. I have to rely on somebody else to pull me up or whatever it might look like. Yeah, yeah. You protect your partner. And so you become really clear, not only on your own, but also about your partner's enduring vulnerabilities or whatever. Well, here's the really messed up thing. If you're like, if you're feeling out of control and then you try to railroad me, like now we've kicked in this toxic cycle that has nowhere to go until one or both of us says, I got to walk away. I got to walk away. And that may mean for a while. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, in some cases it's the termination of the relationship. It certainly was for this couple. In other cases, it's, you know, with my kid right now, it's just like, well, we'll cool off and we'll come back and we'll kind of revisit. And I'll sit down and talk to her. Let's talk about what you really, what was really going on, but she was spun up too, you know? And so, so um, what is hers? Like if you were to just analyze that situation, what do you think was most important to her? Cause she was pushing your buttons for some reason. I think she, I think she was uh, affected by her day at school that had nothing to do that had some themes in her friendships that were that were causing her to lose her seat Uh and she had to protect that um in the safest place and way that she knew how what's just it with me but what was yeah with you so what she was looking for and what she was fighting so hard for was that what she wanted you to be on her take her take i think she wanted me to hurt i think she she wanted wanted me to to hurt. hurt yeah because so she wouldn't be alone. And I think she wanted um, to have, get back some sense of like agency in her own, like in her, in her relationships. So hmm. um, is my theory. Okay. Um, and I think what's cool about my kids is we have these, we've had having these kinds of conversations with them since they were six, which is great. So they can, they can talk about that. <laughs> um, I think where they get frustrated is they, I don't think they can feel like they can talk about that a lot with their own peers. Yeah. Like there, there aren't a lot of, I mean, they're, I mean, what's the percentage of therapists in the world? And then those people are raising people, (laughs) you know, like most people are being raised by, you know, doctors and lawyers and, and, you know, teachers and garbage men, ditch diggers or whatever. And so they're not walking around with this kind of inherent emotional capacity thing that sometimes kids (laughs) with therapist parents have the unfortunate burden Mm -hmm. of having to take on. Um, so Oh man, I'm st- I'm sweating right now. I gotta, go, <laughs> I gotta go like take a take a bath or something. So, so I am curious: Will you close the gap 
because um, this is undone. Like I, I know that you had, Which you hat? said that you had like 20 minutes of close, close out or sort of some closure maybe with the wife in this particular situation. But oh, um, we talk about like repair and it's not necessarily to, in this situation, it might not be to repair the therapeutic relationship, but it's a gift that you're going to give to yourself that when you think about this or talk about it, you're not going to sweat or get ramped up again. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think professionally the work with the, the client is done. Okay. Um, so now it's just a matter of, do I, do I learn enough about this and process it out loud enough to mm -hmm. learn how to get ahead of it the next time? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really the only advantage here. Yeah. And I've probably got, probably have four or five clients that I don't meet with anymore that still have my attention. Uh -huh. Um, they st you still carry them. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. of how it ended or because of something I did or said or something that right. they did or said, like, I, I, so I don't know if they, if these guys will take a spot on the Mount Rushmore of clients that <laughs> trouble me still, but, um, I That's such an interesting way to describe it. The therapist Mount Rushmore, where it's the heads of all the people that we remember from our past that we may yeah. have done wrong or yeah. they did us wrong. You did yeah. dirty. Yeah. The most challenging. So, um, but it goes back to, honestly, I think sometimes the best thing to do is end a relationship. I said, sometimes that's the best, the best possible outcome for okay. your therapeutic endeavor is that the relationship ends. And sometimes mm -hmm. you just need someone who has the courage and the, the vision and the, and the emotional distance to help guide that. And I think I did that without the emotional distance part, but I, I held it together pretty well in the room until I, I was done. And then I was just like, ah, I got to shake it all off. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. funny. It's nice to hear you have those situations. Cause you, I've told you where I'm like, Hey, we had that one interview that one time. And while we were in the interview, my heart was pounding out of my yeah. skin. I was sweating and you I lost felt your seat. Like yeah. I lost my seat. And I described that to you and you're like, what? That is so yeah. weird. I don't understand. Like I was in the same room with you. Like, how is that? We experienced the same thing. And it's just, yeah. Boy, it's really interesting to just kind of talk about the meta what's going on yeah, for you. Totally, like, totally. I don't want to blame anybody, but I just got to let you know, like I am so activated right now and I yeah. just got to get real curious about where this is coming from. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, thanks for helping me process that with the consultation. It reminds me when we used to sit around and drink beers have in beers. Seattle and have, <laughs> you know, conversations about all these this mistakes we were making in our client time. Yeah. So. Well, it makes me think too, like, what do you do if you, if you like therapeutically, I don't think it would be helpful for you to, because this isn't about you as a therapist, FYI, like it is not yeah. your job to go back to these clients that you essentially fired and they fired you to say, now hold on one second, because be, I need yeah. to have some sort this? of, can I get some, uh, can, can I repair it? Episode. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, I need to share why I said that. And I yeah. need you to accept my apology. Like you yeah. don't get to do that as a therapist. It's one-sided. Yeah. So if they come back to you and say, I'd really like to have another session and sort of like talk about what happened. Yeah. Cool. But you don't get to do that. No, so then no. your job is I have a responsibility to myself and I don't have that person available to me to be able to repair. And this happens all the time. Like that person dies or that person leaves yeah, your life. Totally. Like my dad cut off. Right. <laughs> He's been dead 10 years. Totally. I'm still, still grappling. Still talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? Like you process with your friends, you process yeah. with your therapist, you process yeah. on pen and paper, you write songs. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants to love. 
I, I'm glad you did that because there's a song too that we're going to end. Can we end soon? Sure, uh, there's we'll a, send it. There's a song that's on my mind too that I was thinking about. Do you know this song? Um, back, Bra- back, back, back. <laughs> Brandy. <laughs> now people said, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife. Uh-huh. You know the song? Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't know it was Brandy though. It's called Brandy. And I was thinking, I think I listened to it like the day after and I was like, this this song, this song is the thing. That whole song is based on all these sailors who are in port and Brandy is walking around the bar, slinging drinks and like putting it down and like serving them and like flirting with them. And they're like, Brandy, you, you're a fine girl. You're what a good wife you would be until Brandy gets married. Uh And then they find out that she has hopes and dreams of her own. And she wants to like have her own personality and sure her job isn't just to sling drinks and flirt. And then these guys get all pissed off because wait a second, you, you were Brandy, the, the cool waitress. Why, why yeah. are you now Brandy, the demanding wife who wants me to do a thing, you know? Yeah. And that was what was happening. I was like, why am I so agitated by this song? Well, because it was the day before I'm with this couple and he married this. A fine girl. A fine girl what a good yeah. wife she would be. And then he found uh-huh. out that she actually had a personality and mm-hmm. hopes and dreams of her own. And he was like, I didn't sign up for this. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, <laughs> how to help you dude. I do not know how to help you. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, that's my oh. new song that makes me mad. <laughs> All right. Well, Cause I'm defensive of Brandy. I want her to like, she gets to do, she you needs to be a stand whole person. Up for her? Is that yeah. part of man? We could just keep going, but like, <laughs> is there a part of you that wants to stand up for her? Totally. Okay. Totally. All right. Well, let's land this plane because we can keep going on our, our therapeutic right. Thank you, consultation Laura. here. You're All welcome. Right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. As we said, we are super excited for some of our guests. If you happen to have someone in your life that you are pumped to introduce to Marriage Therapy Radio or they'd like to be on the podcast, send them our way. Info at marriagetherapyradio.com. We're always looking for interesting folks. I like to keep it within the marriage realm. Uh, Zach likes to bring on comedians and, um, I don't know, professional pool players, but we'd love to have them on the podcast. I just wanted to remind you, we have the seven principles for making marriage work eight week series. It's coming up on April 12th. It is every Wednesday from 6 PM to 7 15 PM Pacific standard time, no matter where you're at in the world, you can join us for the eight week series. By the time this podcast comes out, you will have about two weeks to register. So you definitely want to register so I can get the materials to you. Thank you for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.